welcome Dr. Ashley Wade, um, author and pharmacist, author of It's a Journey, or Holistic Journal for Discovering Self. Um, welcome to the No Ideas Original Podcast. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here and really to, you know, let the people know what I have going on and share with you guys. It's, I'm looking forward to a good time. This is an interview I'm, I'm really excited to have because after researching you, I'm like, man, she really has a lot going on. Yeah. It seems that way, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Let me, let, me, let me ask you this. So you don't often hear holistic and pharmacists mentioned together. Um, some people are the belief that they can't coexist. Where do they intersect for you? Uh, for me, uh, it depends on the person. It depends on the situation um, when it comes to holistics. So with my pharmacy background, traditionally I'm talking about medicine, disease states, health conditions, health insurance. Uh, traditionally I'm talking about those things, but um, depending on the person that I'm talking to, I may be able to intervene in a holistic way, um, especially with conditions of diabetes or high blood pressure or even anxiety. Um, I may be able to help intervene in a holistic way and give an alternative to Western medicine. So it really depends, you know, um, some conditions people can survive without taking medications and drive, but some conditions people do need medications. And so I try to find a common ground um, to see what you can control without medication and what you actually need. And then uh, serve as like a liaison between the doctor's office, if, just in case there are some changes that need to be made or you know some alternative ideas as far as therapy goes. And do, do you feel that the um, that patients are receptive uh, to it? I'm sure patients are probably a lot more receptive than actual doctors. <laughs> that is so true. Patients are surprised most of the time because they don't really get a lot of options because they really don't get a lot of time with the doctor, first of all. So um, by the time you get in and introduce and maybe some labs or something are reviewed, it's like, oh, I'm going to start you on this. We're going to do this instead of even having the conversation about lifestyle changes. Um, now, granted, we are nobody. A lot of people don't like the lifestyle changes, but when they start to see results, then they kind of feel more confident about the alternative. Mm -hmm. Do you find that in that alternative, that those who deal with like high blood pressure and diabetes, they don't even need medication? I'm sure you find that out a lot. A lot, a lot. The, the difficulty is convincing the doctors to take people off medication is a little bit difficult because they don't trust you. <laughs> So you, you do have to keep a log, like a daily log. You check your blood pressure and it's good. Um, keep a daily log and, you know, just um, if you exercise or if you're making changes, document those things. That's why I try to teach people. Um, so that whenever you go on your visits, you're, you're more equipped with what real daily life looks like for you. Right, right. So let me ask you, what led you to become a pharmacist? Yo, I had this really awesome chemistry teacher. I've always been a lover of math, but I had this awesome chemistry teacher, and she was like, you know what, you're good at this. And I was like, okay, great. Um, but then she kind of put me on to thinking medically as far as chemistry is related, um, whether med school, surgeon, and I was like, nah, I really don't want to deal with people like that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, but then I kind of fell in love with medicine. We had some conversations, and then, uh, you know, here and there, things just rolled out. I started off as a technician, um, so I worked behind the pharmacy from the bottom up, 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely knew it's something that I wanted to do. The more I started to like be around it and study it, um, it's just intriguing to know what all goes on in the body and then how the medications mitigate some things that go on in the body. So um, th- that's what kind of propelled me to it. And now that I'm a pharmacist, I'm kind of seeing things, you know, uh, my future in a different way because a pharmacist is just a title. Um, so I'm starting to find out more about, you know, my spiritual gifts and what I'm actually here to do when it relates to pharmacy, as far as consulting and talking with people on a one-on-one basis in the system. Right. Right. So what, I, I guess from what, what led to the transition from the pharmaceutical aspect to the holistic aspect, or do you see them as kind of being like one and the same? So I don't see them necessarily as one and the same. So uh, I want to clarify the holistic component because a lot of people like to equate that to medicine, like holistic uh, alternative medicinal type therapies. Um, My holistic approach has to do with the mind. So I read a lot. I've researched a lot of the greats as far as like black psychology um, and especially in the demographic that, you know, I deal with as far as medication. I see a lot of depression medication, a lot. Um, and it's not really a solution. So that's where the holistic component comes in, more of like mental mindset, um, perspective building, conscious awareness building, as far as a holistic approach to um, taking care of the self, getting to know the self on a spiritual level um, versus just on a carnal level and just kind of being small in the way that you perceive things. So I just wanted to clarify that holistic component real quick. Okay. Yeah, I think I think depression is 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 common, and I think given everything that we've gotten, everything that we've had going on in the world is probably being diagnosed more um, at a higher rate. But I, I believe everybody at some point in their life experiences some form of depression. Um, so I can see how 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 um, holistic practices would help with depression because I think a lot of times the the thing is to recommend. Um, medication for people and I think that some people people go to medicine first because they feel like it's the fast quick fix and it doesn't really involve much introspection not much and it it if you have to take it continuously for the rest of your life I'm trying to see how that looks like a solution you know what I'm saying so um when people don't want to deal with life or deal with the self component, then that leads you to go along with that quick fix. Hey, I need something. And I don't want to minimize mental health. I do think it's super important to actually um, address. But I think depending on where you are in your understanding of the psychology of the mind and, you know, where your thoughts come from, how to generate thoughts, it's really hard to pinpoint if the medicine's working, if that makes sense. Because the, the doses are constantly increasing. Doctors are taking on three and four different depression medications. So at what point is it working? Like, what, at what point are you okay? And if you don't have the medicine and you're not okay, where's the solution? So that's what I try, try to um, approach in my book. It's a journey because sometimes people, you know, there's a lot of pressure to be perfect, you know, especially in the religious aspect. Um, there's a lot of pressure on people as far as image and so they really don't deal with their personal issues their family issues and then they end up just a part of the cycle you know part a pawn in the system so to speak yeah one of the things that's surprising to me is is how depression seems to be a side effect for for so many medications it is yes it is and anxiety especially Mm -hmm. um are, are are definitely common side effects because people get worried 
Um, you know, when you are diagnosed with high blood pressure or any condition, it doesn't make you feel relief. If anything, it makes you feel more stressed out because you don't know. Um, yeah. You want to learn, but where's the information? What can I do? Um, so there's a lot of anxiety that can be created just by knowing that there may be something going on in your body. Yeah, that, that is true, man, because I tell you, man, the medication that I take, I want to find a holistic way where I ain't got to take program and all this other craziness, you know what I mean? But because, you know, I want the, I want the kidney to stay alive, I don't think there's any alternative. Unless you can find an alternative, God, let me know. I come off the program in a second, because I tell you this, and I want to ask you this, because of program, why pharmaceuticals so damn pricey? Because I tell you, without mm. my benefits, without having benefits or anything like that, program by itself, by itself, is too grand for wow. 30-day supply. And remember, this is the drug that's keeping my body from rejecting the kidney. So it's suppressing my white blood cells, not allowing my white blood cells to get to the kidney. So it's, 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 it's working as a fence, so to speak. The white blood cells, they want, they're trying to get in, they can't get in. But I, I seen it because they give me a, a little pamphlet of my medication. And it kind of gives the, uh, the, the breakdown of it. And I just happen to look at the price. I'm like, right, 40 bucks or whatever. But when you <laughs> don't have benefits, yes. how, how does anyone survive? Mm. With, with that, you already being stressed about knowing you have high blood pressure. Absolutely. When you start to hear the pricing of that, I could take somebody right over the top. Right? Mm -hmm. Right? Caring that. Like, will that change? Is that just the nature of the, the, the community or the, 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 the environment of pharmaceutical business? And it really depends. So it's, I mean, uh, healthcare is dead smack in the middle of the capitalistic um, way that we live in this society is dead smack in the middle. So you're talking about copay, you're talking about um, upcharge, you're talking about health insurance, you're talking about even just the flat rate of the drug. Um, what I found is a lot of times in other countries, their medication isn't as expensive. So there are a lot of people who do, or believe it or not, get their medications from other countries um, and they're healthy. Um, you mentioned progress. Again, a lot of people don't have a choice as far as whether to take the medication or not. Um, and believe it or not, there are some programs, some of the manufacturers that make the drugs have um, programs to help people who may not be able to afford insurance and things like that, especially with chronic conditions like kidney disease or transplant, things of that nature. There are uh, programs that assist people. Also HIV, um, those medications are very expensive also. Um, now, diabetes is really being capitalized on because there are these new injectable medications to help people lose weight. Uh, it's not insulin or anything, it's something that you inject with your body, shuttle sugar around. So, you know, there, there's always room for money to be made, it's, you know, speaking from the capitalist perspective. So um, that's why when I can, I try to help people uh, even understand insurance because deductible, especially if you have Medicare, it can get kind of complicated. Mm. So there, they are. I didn't know they offer like slide and scale fees and things like that. Depending on the medication, um, because people, a lot of companies, especially, um, 
have like uh, inhalers. Some of the inhalers are really expensive. So they have the manufacturer, the actual people who make it have programs, but you do also have to qualify for those, but um, they are helpful for people who qualify so that they can actually get their medication free um, if they are, you know, fall within the criteria of the program. Okay. So how and when did you become an avid reader and what do you get from reading besides information? Great question. Um, I've always been an, a pretty, pretty significant reader. Probably within the last five years, I started becoming consciously aware. And so now when I read, it's more, it's less for me and more for the people. So it's difficult to convince people to read sometimes if they mm-hmm. already have it made up in their mind that they don't want to or have to, um, or there's no benefit. Um, so what I do is I read it and I share stuff with people in my Instagram stories. So let's say you never pick up a book. Um, you can get in my stories and at least read. Um, and I'm going to read things that help, in my opinion, help put people on, whether it's about our African history, some type of psychology that we can benefit from. Um, so now it's more less for me um, and my awareness, but more of like my purpose here is to share stuff like that with people you know, that are in books. Right. What, what do you what do you think of some of the benefits of reading? Well, what definitely it helps increase your perspective and your perception. Um, a lot of us in this society are conditioned to go off hearsay and call it a fact. <laughs> so you get in arguments with people and they're like, no, it's this way. Or, no, it's that way. But when you go get it for yourself, you can be like, oh, I read that here. It says this. Or, you know, this is where I got my idea about this. And so it kind of helps create that perspective and that perception of people for people when you get in conversations and you're like, no. Or you're like, right now I'm reading a book about the Black Panthers. If somebody approaches me and we are end up in a discussion, then I can right. say, well, I read here that right. this is the way it was versus that. Yeah. So it kind of adds another level to the conversation um, when you have when you are a red person, so to speak. Yeah, I, I wonder about that, like, because I feel like in this age, to kind of speak to what you're saying around the fact stuff, is I think that the internet, as great as the internet is, has also been a source of a lot of misinformation. And I think people misconstrue facts, things that they think that they think are factual because they've seen it on the internet. Well, it says it on Google, so it must be true. Um, and I think that the internet has done a lot to move people away from, sadly, from books in libraries and I wonder you know in our lifetime the actual library may be obsolete I went to um, to Egypt and I went to Alexandria and went to the library in Alexandria and it was vast and you know it was filled you know but I could go up the street to the library for my job and it's not a soul in there that is so sad isn't it it is what does it make you think I mean it helps it makes me think that the brainwashing is working and the manipulation is working, you know, and until you actually find a piece of fact that's different from what you may find on Google, a lot of people don't see the relevance. They're like, oh, you're looking at history. But if I point out a discrepancy and they're like, oh, well, the internet says this and there may be a discrepancy in a book, then that makes people wonder. And until you strike that curiosity, it's really hard to show people, you know, the value of reading or going back and tapping into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you have, if I think if you having that discussion with a person who is open, because some people, regardless of what you say or show show them, you know, 
it becomes a fact or they believe it's a fact based solely on their emotions and how they feel about it because you feel strongly about something doesn't necessarily make it a fact one of the things that i've always appreciated about reading for me is it really helped to foster my imagination around things you know like um there are movies that i've seen that were adaptations from books and i was like this doesn't do justice to the actual book but then i realized the reason why is because that was my imagination creating the character creating the scenery um you know telling me this is what this smells like during this time this is what this looks like this is how this character should look and everything so for me reading has always been about you know just forcing and stretching my imagination i dig and that is the part that to me that increases the perspective because you have to, your brain is, is busy, it's wandering. It's like, oh, this is what it would look like. It's imagining, it's working. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, t- people hardly see the value of it because they're like, okay, but right. what is it doing for me? Right. Um, and so if you show people, and that's what, you know, what I try to describe in the process in my book, sometimes you have to show people, hey, you, your perspective isn't as open as you think. Mm-hmm. In a gentle way, but not like in a disrespectful way, like you think you know what you're talking about and you don't. Um, but more so of like, okay, have you thought about it this way? Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh, well, maybe you, you know, you may be onto something. And so that curiosity can is, is similar to what you described as far as like your imagination. Yeah. That to me is a good uh, uh, indicator of an intellectual person who have healthy discourse, you know, and, and, and challenge and the nature where, you know, you're challenge, challenging each other to grow. Like some people I think are capable of having it and I think other people are just like, nah, these are my beliefs. I'm holding tight to them regardless. Yeah. <laughs> some and sometimes it gives a false illusion of safety, you know, it's like, oh, I believe it. I don't need any facts to back it up. I'm good over here. <laughs> so it creates this false, um, security and you know that's what our people like to lean towards yeah how, how, how important is the practice of introspection i think it's top tier uh if you're not tapping into yourself then you're at you're really operating at a low level and this is something that i had to learn personally Mm-hmm. Um, you're really missing the essence of all the virtues <laughs> that when you when you miss your tapping into yourself and it's not common I mean it's not something that we're taught to do hey at 20 you need to reflect over your teenage years at 30 you need to reflect over your 20s we're not taught how to process you know so that's one really thing that makes me proud about my book is because it is a process. So it, it's separated to five modules. Um, it starts out with the person learning their voice. You know, learning what does it mean to exercise your voice? And then we, you know, we kind of dabble into some things as far as mental and mindset. And I, I'm an empathetic person, so I try to add in that empath. Because a lot of times people are, when they're afraid to, they're afraid, afraid to introspect <laughs> because it's, it's scary. You know, it's not easy. It's not like, oh, I'm just going to look inside and it's going to be fantastic. So a lot of times people need that safe space in order to do the work. We, we hear, you know, we hear a lot of talk around self-discovery, but at its core essence, what would you say? What is self? Spirit. Period. And spirit is breath. And I like how you opened up in your first module. As you start, you have it highlighted. Take a deep breath. Breathe. How important is breathing? Because I've learned reading this, reading this book called The Science of Breath that most people don't properly breathe. 
And the reason why panic and depression and anxiety exists because these low and these shallow breaths that we're taking that when we do get to the process of fight or flight, start to hyperventilate and then you're nervous and then you can't calm yourself down and kind of calmly assess what's going on. So in that process, talk about the process of breathing and how important that is. I think breathing is integral. I think, you know, it's one of those things, again, we talked about imagination. It's a virtue to me um, that we take for granted. And it's actually a tool. Um, I think it's neat that our bodies do it without thinking about it. Like it's one of our involuntary responses. Um, so it's easy to take for granted, um, but it actually becomes a tool and a superpower, honestly, when you know how to, um, we know how to do it and the appropriateness of it. Um, tai Chi is really good. That's something that I'm learning to tap in. There's Reiki. Like there's, there are a lot of like sciences, so to speak, around breathing as therapy, um, especially when it comes to panic attacks and anxiety. Because you're like, <laughs> and sometimes you can't help it because your heart's racing too. So right. sometimes it is that fight or flight in your mind, that type of scenario is created. Oh, something's going to happen to me, you know, but you can right. get the root of your fear by reading different books about psychology and actually figuring out why you're afraid you know and, and a lot of that goes into psychology I, I i can't say i was ever really interested in psychology because i was into science and math um but I, the more i started tapping into like african psychology and how our ancient people thought about things i was like oh let me tap into some naeem akbar let me see how he studied how important are our roots and our breathing techniques and you know what were our people doing yeah do you do you think the lack of self-discovery comes from trauma um blind spots that people may have or just unwillingness to acknowledge how people themselves may actually be stuck i think the combination of both to be honest um because i think people would be willing if they weren't so afraid because trauma it can be you know debilitating to people because it gets stuck in your mind it gets stuck in your body and it's really hard to feel safe um even when people go to therapy people may pick and choose what they want to tell the therapist you know so it's that fear of judgment um the fear of misunderstanding um the fear of what if i can't control my emotions you know there's all these things that actually go into self-discovery um, and what I hope is that people find that they elevate a little bit more in their vibration when you tap into yourself. Um, at some point, what I try to also demonstrate is the universe likes it when you look at the creation. You know, we, we look for the creator, but when we actually look at the creation, that gives the creator room to deposit. You know what I'm saying? And so if there's no room to deposit, you know it all. Yeah. Or right. you're unwilling. Um, then really how can you expect to be demonstrated purpose and alignment and things like that? Yeah, that's a, dope, that's a dope way to look at it. That's a dope way to look at it. I don't, I think that, I, I do think that there are people that um, are unwilling to make deposits. Like, you know, um, I used to work at an organization and at the organization, we, um, we provided therapy to family. Okay. You know, and I would do supervision with some of the therapists, some of our licensed marriage and family therapists. Ah. And um, a staff member had a saying that I was like, this is this is a really good way to look at like reflection. And she would say that every night when people go home, they have to go to night school. 
and night school was you basically going home and you self-reflect on the things that transpired for the day but we would always kind of land on if you go home to night school and you go to night school and you self-reflect and you tell yourself the things that you want to hear then it's really not self-reflection it's more about validation of your beliefs yeah. the things that you've done and I, I, I always thought that that was a good way of people actually working on discovery and and considering self and trying to be better for the next day but then part of me realized that there are some people that they just made an investment and not for whatever reason it may be and that's why i said some people get stuck but they don't want to make the investment or the deposit to say that potentially i could be doing something different right. to help me find or step into what my purpose may actually be exactly and it's it's really and you know you hope with those people who are unwilling that you made a deposit and it stays on their mind you know sometimes that's all you can do um i ran into some people and they're like well if you're talking about you know if in your book you're, you mentioned the universe i don't want the book okay great <laughs> okay well may not be you and that's what i mean but and I, that and person I mean, may never mean. forget that person may you know not forget that they ran into me and they experienced me and maybe they saw my book and it said something you know and what's so triggering about mentioning the universe what's so triggering you know, i'm down here with the people yo it's not used every day it's not common talk to talk about the universe although you live in you just take a look up above especially in the bible belt it's, it's very you know you have to trade yeah. like you trade down here in the bible belt you say universe they're like oh you ain't talking about god then I yeah they're like oh mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that ain't right. If you about to tell me something that ain't right. <laughs> what do you find most rewarding? I think the highlight for me is to just inspire people to do something. Um, if I can inspire somebody to read and they see something in my story and they're like, oh my God, now I want that book. You know, it just gives me that validation of purpose. Um, and I do consider myself, and you know, titles are weird to me, um, but I do consider myself a healer because that's something that I know, but it's not in the traditional aspect. You know, I may or may not get put my hands on you, um, but I may be able to stimulate your mind. And if I can do that in any way, I'm, I'm winning, I'm good. You know, the creator is pleased with the work that I do. Um, so that's how I look at it. And I think that's when, when you know, if you get used to, uh, sharing information, sharing knowledge, you know, dealing with my kidney situation, I've been very open with sharing my testimony, my journey that I've been through, the ups, the downs, the, you know, what it feels like to go to dialysis, having to get up 5.30 in the morning, and have to do that three times a day, four hours at a time, for five years, like, you know, there's, there's a lot to learn from that about patience and perseverance, mm-hmm. and also staying positive, because one of the best things that I've learned and over reading certain books, like uh, I got the book Source by Dr. Tara Schwartz. Um, it talks about mindfulness. And I would sit in my chair and I would already I would already imagine myself with a kidney. And I would say to myself, this chair is for somebody else who needs a kidney. I already have one. Mm-hmm. I would that's I would say it, I would say it. And I got I and I got my the the, the, the nurses in there to say it with me. I tell you, I lie to you not. When I started saying that a month later, I was like, I'm telling you. And because I understand my position on this planet, understand the energy of the universe, understand how energy works, and I try my best 
to use it for myself or use myself as an example. So when I do say these things like universe and energy and the stars and some older stars, people are creeped out by it because you're looking at the person. <laughs> literally, yeah. You literally live yeah. by, that, by, that, by that mindset. And I try my best to encourage people with doing that. And I love the fact that you, 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 are, you are a sharer. You know what I mean? You pick up a book, and I love following you when you're on IG. Yeah, hi, yeah, hi, you underline just about everything. I'm like, this is going in. Everything is underlined. We take that that surf right there, and that surf right there. And I love that because that means you're breaking down word for word, power words. Mm-hmm. very important. People don't realize that. Power words are just as strong as the breath because that's how you emanate the word. Mm-hmm. Words become manifest, how words become flesh, right? And then, you know, you also, I'm also teaching people to study because a lot of people, especially when it comes to education, um, when it comes to teaching, they're like, okay, well, how do I study? And especially since I have a doctorate, people always want to know, how do you study for, you know, how did you study? You have to really zone, you know, spend time with it, embrace Mm -hmm. it, whatever it is. And there are, you know, in defense of the people who don't like to read, there's a lot of jargon out there, to be honest. That mm-hmm. is not interesting <laughs> at all, and it's mm-hmm. not relatable. Um, so you do, you know. I try to advertise black bookstores where people are really being, you know, have pe- items there to elevate the people. And Dallas has a really incredible um, bookstore. They have they're having some new ones come up, but there's one that's kind yeah. of staple, and they do. It's a resource center also, so they have documentaries. Um, they have drum circles, so you know people are tapping in to culture, and so you know I, that's why I try to put books in people's hands that they are interested in, even if it's not conscious at first, even if it's something about money or mm-hmm. you know a scam, but at least it's getting it getting their mind going. You're like, oh, I kind of like thinking. that. Thinking, yeah. Hey, get them comfortable with reading, man, because part of reading is focus and concentration. You go through these pages and pages and pages. You got to stick with the script. <laughs> <laughs> that takes some focus and that takes some concentration. I, and I, I know for a fact that just reading as much as I, I've read or continue to read, but it's definitely helping with my focus and my concentration. It stays centered. You know what I mean? So when I do drop the book, I can go and I can meditate and I can really, my introspection, my introspection mm-hmm. is going to be different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. So, it, 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 it has helped, I would say. You know I mean? Yeah, Rob, Rob and I, Rob and I, are a different type of reader, though. Rob will read so like two, can every, you every, read every book at once. I, I call as soon as I pick it up. I'm, I'm, I'm in it, and I'll, read, I'll read it. Like I'll get on a plane and read a book in its entirety. Wow. So I'll, pick up, I'll pick out a book and, and read it. And that's just, that's just me. Like I, once I get engulfed in whatever it's about, I just want to consume it and get all the information. And I can read. When I read, I read a paragraph, and if that paragraph is powerful, I don't move. I see. I'm, I'm right there, and I'm digging like, oh, it's crazy that he said that. And now I'm starting to relate it to other books or even experiences that I've experienced, or even something that an elder may say, like, I respond with the elder says. So now I need to reprocess that. Let me relearn this, this event again. And I got, it takes me a while to go through books, man, but I get stuck. <laughs> 
whatever works as long as you yeah, whatever fine, works yeah. as long that's as you read true. that's so true that's so true that's and at least the good thing is you're not intimidated by people who read fast mm-hmm. you know I, you but, know your level you read that book yeah, I read that one for the next one. Like, I just gave it to you. I just really gave it to you. He's like, well, come on, keep up, because I'm ready for the next one. What's going on? <laughs> your, um, your book is not lengthy. Your book is not lengthy at all. Was that intentional? And if so, yes. why? It was intentional because I know that people are, you know, I, I wanted it to be tailored to people who don't read. Mm-hmm. Um, so there will be, you know, at the end, there's some reflections in a couple of the sections that say, hey, read this book. Um, so I try to drop a couple of different um, books so that it, if somebody is inspired, then they'll say, oh, I may pick up this other book. Mm-hmm. But I really wanted it to be more of a journal. So that's why I created it with that duality um, of some things that I'm saying and then some journal prompts. Um, because I found just in my own journey that sometimes people don't know what to think. They don't know where to start. So if you say journal, people got a book and they're like, what am I supposed to talk about? <laughs> so the prompts are helpful because they make you think and then if you think and you write then you may think I'm only going to write a sentence but you may end up with two or three pages of expression mm-hmm. um, So, and, and I really found that in our culture we don't have the space to express even our ancestors you know um, that came through they really didn't have a safe space to express um, so I really found that you know our generation is finally getting it like okay let me say what you know let me tell you the truth about so and so and so and so and sometimes that just that little dump of some baggage can actually cause you to elevate um, so I just wanted people to see you know you can read write and elevate you'll see your life change and so by the end of it you should see some changes somewhere Right, and if it's if it's if it's self discovery, you as self actually have to do some of the work. <laughs> you know what? That's the term. When you hear the term knowledge of self, it's exactly what it means. It means you're supposed to figure out who you are. It's not something no badge of honor that says I have knowledge of self. That's an introspective moment for yourself. You're supposed to take in what it is. And I repeat this all the time when we speak to educators and people of, of great minds is that, you know, when you're, when you're educating, your job is to draw it out of the student because it's already in there. You know, even, even in our conversation with Kaba uh, Hiawatha, when he told us mm-hmm. our grandparents, great-grandparents, and you go 20 years back, that's over a million people. You know what I'm saying? That means that's over a million people in your DNA and your DNA strand waiting to come out. So just imagine about your your your, your DNA 2,000 years. So because 20, 20, 20 generations is just 400 years ago, 1600. To think about 2,000 years, how far ago that how far ago that goes, along with the amount of people that you're already tied to. So it's a lot of stuff we already have, but the idea is to bring it out. Mm-hmm. Well, somebody needs to be the storyteller. I think we depended on our elders so much so that we don't see our purpose in the storytelling and the teaching because, you know, my so-and-so is a teacher, not me. You know, so we don't really equate ourselves with that position of teaching or, you know, a lot. So I really think that's key that we kind of take on that mantle to, to um, either share our story or, you know, inspire somebody else to share theirs write it down, write a book. There's a lot of people who self-publish these days. So, you know, ain't nobody trying to get your money all the time. 
there are a lot of black um, self-published people, um, black people with self-publishing companies. So we can really tell our narrative. And I think that's what's necessary. Um, you mentioned our ancestors and all our, the components of our DNA. Yes, those stories want to be told. A lot of the issues that, you know, our grandmothers and great-grandparents didn't get to express, we're still on the road of that. We're still doing that, you know. Mm -hmm. So self-discovery is not just like, okay, I'm going to journal today. Sometimes it's, why do I act like how I act? Right. Why do I feel the way I feel? Why do I feel like this? Mm -hmm. And why, do, why does it trigger me? Or... You know, you may be holding on to family secrets because you may be the one, okay, then you write it down, then you can say, why, am I, why have I been nervous to tell somebody this? Mm -hmm. You know, so it, it can get deep, but again, no life with this is without conflict. And I think that's the thing that we miss because we all want that perfect life or we want that easy life, but we have to be provoked to learn the lesson. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that means trauma. You know, to your point. And so we still, we all have to deal with it so that we can elevate. And our people are so incredible. So it's like, why are we thinking on, why are we on this low like this? This yeah. is not in the in the DNA of our originators. So just kind of helping guide and create that safe space so people can get going and being who their true self is sent here to be. Yeah. I think, I really believe that our resilience has hindered us somewhat though, because we're such resilient people. Like a lot of the things that, the trauma that we've encountered, we've sort of just masked it or pushed by it, or we haven't we, we haven't gotten to a point where we've felt comfortable enough acknowledging it publicly. But what I do appreciate is I look at this generation and I look at the language that this generation has and their level of comfort with expression versus, you know, like maybe our generation. Like they're, the language that some of these, these these kids have now to be able to even articulate their feelings around stuff to me is mind blowing. It is. And the bad thing about it is our generation kind of poo-poos them away with the, well, when I was your age, you know, we had to suck it up. We had to deal with this and we had to do that. But the fact of the matter is we didn't, we, we weren't able, we didn't have the ability to articulate it the way they articulate it. So now we're mad at them because they're forthright and they're expressive about it. And that's what I love about evolution because, you know, the younger generation, they don't, they're not fearful like we were, you know, they're, they're being raised and no matter what the moment or your, the parents say, they're going to express themselves, whether it's through their fashion, through their, you know, they're, they're way more expressive than we are, than we were because we were like conditioned. And I think we're, our generation is so dope because we're right there on that cusp of the old conditioning versus new ideas. So we get to be the bridge and say, okay, yeah, this is where we came from, but I'm down with where y'all going. So where we where we intersect, we can really undergird and protect each other because I feel like um, uh, some of our forefathers, especially like when you look at the stories of like Huey, um, Martin, Malcolm, they did things outright. Hey, we want to prove to y'all that we are equal. We want to prove to y'all that we're worthy. But I don't think we've tapped into self yet. That, and yeah, so I really yeah. look at that as a solution because if you can come into yourself before you go to prison or you can come into yourself before, you know, you um, fall into the system, then maybe that's the way that we can just circumvent the whole thing yep. and really get together and talk about solutions because that's mm -hmm. what he was about. But because we needed a leader and somebody out in the front, right. it created danger, you know. Yeah. Right, right. Well, that takes courage, man. You know, the, the cowardly lion didn't know until he met the wizard. He's like, you already had it, bro. 
You just need to step out of the fear zone and, and, and take control and be under control for what you're thinking. Talk about triggers a little bit. A lot of people deal with triggers and they, you know, the past haunts them. Like some, someone can remind them of something they did years ago and they take them right back, 20 years back into when that happened. And unfortunately, it's very hard for people to deal with that or to move on from that. You know, how, how does one cope with certain triggers? I mean, even even military might deal with triggers. Yeah. You know, if you keep PTSD being at war, maybe watching their, their friend's leg get blown off. True. Those are tough. So, you know, ex- ex- explain if you can, and I'm sure you can. How, how do you deal with that? <laughs> I mean, in my perspective, yes, I feel like you have to pick it apart. And you may hear different opinions from different people, but to me, you have to pick it apart. If you don't pick it apart and you generalize it, then it will easy to have. It will be easy to have the same response to the trigger because you haven't picked it apart. Um, in my book, I kind of give an analogy of a surgeon. Okay, they have a, a body. They have to cut it open. They have to peel apart the pieces, and it may take a while before they actually get to the place that they're going to work on. But then when they finish doing the work, everything is nice and neat. You know, they close it up nice and neat. Um, so part of that, and I'm not, you know, trying to use it as a band-aid, but sometimes you do have to look into what happened. Who says, who who started it? Who did this? And how did you end up here? And how did that person end up here? So, you know, a lot of people, especially, you know, and people of color, um, the elders are like, that's in the past. I'm like, yeah, but if I'm going to therapy today, mm-hmm. it's not. So we have to be okay with, you know, dealing with it and picking it apart, asking the question. Um, and even, you know, with the reference of PTSD, okay, I made the choice, but, but I didn't know that this was gonna happen. You know, I didn't know that the risk was gonna be there for me to see somebody get killed or even me to kill somebody. So, you know, you also have to operate in that place of self-awareness and take some pressure off to be, to, to, be, to come back and be well. You know, they all, as far as military is concerned, you know, it should be mandatory. There should be therapists over there too. Mm-hmm. Right. Or Talk a yeah, because it's not right. right to send people off and then they have to make the choice when they come back, am I going to therapy or not? Or am I going to, you know, you should, they should automatically have a safe space. Yeah. I mean, if you look at, if you look at genograms, you could see years and years of, unresolved trauma that people have in their families, those family secrets that have been kept forever that impact how we how we live and operate day to day. And you're right, like I think the older generation was kind of like, well, it happened years ago, get past it, move forward. And that kind of speaks to what I was saying about the resilience. Like we've built up resilience and we're resilient people, but that resilience also masked the trauma. And people don't realize like when you don't deal with it, you know, there are implications for not dealing with it. It manifests itself in your day-to-day living period and everything that you got going on. Um, that's the lump in the road you keep tripping over every time you pass the road. Yeah, or like, oh, your interactions. You know, your interactions with people, you wonder why your, your relationship with your wife is the way it is. It'll, your relationship with your siblings or people you see as authority figures. It's because it's the unresolved trauma, the things that you haven't dealt with, you know, and the things that you've seen in your family and how those family dynamics played out. Um, tell us about the five modules of your book. So um, I'm really excited about them because I feel like it's authentic. Um, they are. 
it, it's authentic because no, you it's, you know, it's it. not your traditional self-help. So let me browse. I have it with me. So you know, the the point of it is for let, people. Let, to us, let us all browse, okay? Let's, <laughs> let's open up the textbook class. Right. <laughs> so that's what I'm hoping to do is develop it into a course and seminars. So I'm right now. I'm just letting the spirit speak and guide whatever my steps are going to be. Nice. Um, but especially with that first module, freedom of expression. Be free. We're not free people to express, but rightfully so. And I also, I want to, you know, let you know that I don't blame our people for where we are. I mean, traditionally, we weren't allowed to speak. Mm-hmm. Right. We traditionally, we weren't allowed to read. And, you know, so I keep that in mind, too, because it's a lot of conditioning. But freedom of, of expression and just, again, creating that safe space and really guiding people into safety. You know, a lot of people don't trust in our community, too. For valid reasons, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But then you don't want to share. You don't want to share. So just how to be, how to acknowledge that you may not have understood it correctly. Whatever you're mad about, whatever you have, unresolved anger. You know, we talked about triggers. Whatever your triggers are, it's okay. You know, because where there's pressure to fix it or ignore it or, you know, whatever. But just chill with it for a minute. Mm -hmm. Because when have you got a chance to speak on it? Have you even spoken coming, coming comfortable with conscious thought. Now, what I what I get from that is being comfortable with your five senses of telling, based on what you see from an observation standpoint, the outside world. And I always I try to remind young people, the kids around around me and my kids here, you know, the outside world is the effect. You want to concentrate on the talk. What you see is already done and already been made. But what you see that's been made came from a thought. So protect your thought first, and then you will emanate a better effect. Mm-hmm. And that's how those two things work. So when I think conscious thought, I'm thinking of the thoughts that I receive from the outside world. Is that a, is that a safe place to go? It's definitely safe a safe place to go. place to go. You know what I'm saying? It's, yes, it's, and it's safe. It's like, because it's a challenge so whatever conscious thought is just a challenge you know maybe I didn't think about it like that before it's a challenge of new ways of thinking you know we think even though we say you know there's more than one way to skin a cat we still like to skin it the one way (laughs) the way we're most comfortable with right So just introducing that conscious thought or, you know, that change in perception, you know, this whole time, you know, I was angry because of this, but you know what? I didn't think about that. Mm -hmm. So just introducing that component of, hey, you can think about that thing that you hate or that is a trigger a different way. That doesn't mean it's not going to be a trigger, but you can still exercise and train your mind because you've used your voice. Um, A lot of times once people get done with module one, they're like, okay, now I'm ready to talk. (laughs) <laughs> now I'm ready to open up. Yeah, now I'm ready to open up. That's what's up, man. Um, module two is dope, too. I mean, all five are. Um, module three, I have seen people look flip over, not even look at what I'm saying, but flip over to module three and see uh, issues of the past, resolving issues of the past, and cry on the spot. Mm. Just because it's difficult, again. A lot of unresolved issues. A lot of past hurts from childhood. Me, me, young as six or seven years old, 40 year old, 50 year old people are holding them. And they haven't got the opportunity to tell one, tell mom, tell the pastor, tell anybody, tell their best friend. 
And I just, and when you when you have that type of repression, man, it literally it conditions you to become this person you probably would have never thought you'd become. Mm-hmm. Just by the way you think, and that form, you know, because that's what thoughts do. They form and fashion the way it form and fashion who you are, not what you think. True. And then again, to your point, you get stuck, you know, mm-hmm. in this percept, in this persona that's not even you. You know, you're just here. You say, okay, I'm supposed to get married by this age. I'm supposed to have these kids. I'm supposed to. So you get stuck in what I'm supposed to do, and then you have a mental breakdown at forty. Yep. Everyone's sweating and hot. Yeah. <laughs> then you realize, oh, I'm running out of time. Okay, do I need to fix it? Do I need to, what do I need to do? So there's this extra pressure. But my favorite is module four because a lot of, of people expect module three from self-help books. Oh, you're going to ask me all these crazy questions. You're going to give me all of my feelings. But the, the reality is, we want to be vibrate higher, but we're not even ready for that person yet. Mm. We haven't created the environment. We haven't created boundaries. We just started talking. Mm-hmm. You know why we want to vibrate higher? Because it's become a catchphrase and people think that people don't, the action, the actual action of it, people don't realize what it requires. Yeah, they really yeah. don't. Even woke, I hate that woke has been watered down because no, I really was on that. good brothers. Uh, the good conscious community <laughs> put it on a damn t-shirt and now it's all over the goddamn thing. Really like I still want to take that word seriously because I get Dang, it. Some people are like, oh you all these woke people and I'm like, you're missing the point, but okay. Totally. Yeah. So um you mentioned you mentioned time, like the, the concept of time and I'm always fascinated with how time leads to pressure for people too right so there's there's like these expected milestones that people should have in their life like they should be married by a certain age you should have children by a certain age you should have a house you should have this you should have that all these different things and i think that i don't think that people are actually free until they actually begin to appreciate what their own timeline is around things right so you look at people and i and i think the greatest example of that to me is you know I teach undergrad students and I've had undergrad students come through my class and they'd be 50, 60 years old. Wow. And to me, that's be- there's beauty in that, you know, and there's some people that look at that and say, why is this person 50 or 60 years old getting a college degree? But the other thing I look at it is like, you know what, it's their, it's their time. Like, this is, when, this is when it was for them. And I, I kind of look at that and I, I say to myself, like, you know what, like everybody has their own timeline for everything, right? You know, like, why do we, I guess it's societal pressure that makes us say that, you know, you should have yeah. a house by this age, you should have a also the theology, it's the theology that we're taught. I mean, from when, you know, when you go to church, there's a certain way you got to do this. There's, there's rituals. Mm-hmm. So we are, we condition our families to follow these rituals um, that we may or may not even all the way believe. Right. <laughs> or we don't even all, you know, know where it's coming from. Um, so I think that is something that you know I wanted to insert too because you have to seek freedom, uh, and that and I'm not a you know I'm a spiritual person and I'm not trying to tell everybody to be, um, but some of that you have to put in context or read and find out the tea on where the Bible came from. What, what were these people doing? You know King James. What, what was he talking about? Um, so you can kind of deep dive and get the historical component of that, and then. See what get what you need from different theologies so that you can be free. People do not seek freedom. 
Mm-mm. Yeah, don't. Well, it's, it's much, much easier to go along with what you've been told. <laughs> yeah, right? Until you end up on a pill and it's like, wait, where did I go wrong? <laughs> you know what? There's, there's something I think I, I've read that you mentioned that in your journey, you've noticed that self-doubt is common. Very much so. Very common. And, and I like to think the same way because I ask people, why are you second guess yourself? I don't even like nobody to guess. Some people stop guessing. Well, I guess it was, why are you guessing? <laughs> the long road, you're guessing, and then when someone, then when someone tells you what it is, like I ah, know it ain't, but you didn't right. know. Why you sitting there? Give me fucking Didn't even know what it was. You know, I, I just, I, it's that original thought. We're taught to look out for help. You know, look to the hills and look out. So you know, and we're the humble servant. And it's like, well, how do I get? How am I supposed to grow? Am I even supposed to grow? Mm. So I think, you know, that leads to self-doubt because it's, it's, well, you know, we leave it up to something else and then we forget that we have work. We have to work that too. <laughs> and so just making the connections. And so I always try to tell people that just elevate yourself, elevate your kids, your family, your neighborhood. Um, that's one thing I'm actually studying the Panthers right now, what they did. And I, I really wish that we could be living in that right now. They yeah. have schools and programs and uh, you, know, they, you know they, they took a page out of uh the nation of islam the way the way the way elijah had the nation set up whenever master Farmer taught whenever master Farmer taught and i know what he told the supreme wisdom but in the way that he taught elijah god allowed like allowed elijah to make some magnificent strides and i've said this on the show before Sean. if anyone listening go check out um Sound is is Islam, save savior's day 1974 when the man breaks down of his one of his students mothers must be one of his ministers all the accomplishments the nation has made from the 1930s and that 40 year span up into the 1970s this man had shit that was picking up fish from peru they had a slew of restaurants. They had tailors. Had their own universities and their own schools. Working on their own hospitals. I mean, these are things that should make up our nation. And we have those things for ourselves. And I think that's that's where we had Carver on when he talked about survival versus thriving. Like, you know, we're in a survival period where we're always trying to get to the next dollar. Pay Rob Peter to pay Paul. But there has to come a time where we're so inclined, so intelligent inclined, that we rise above that. Now we take what we learn yeah. to the next step. And honestly, I think we're on the brink of that. I'm very hopeful. We're on the brink. And I think those of us who are aware are going back to find out what happened. I just recently went on this tour in Dallas. It's called the Hidden History of Dallas Tour, DFW. Mm. And then you you go, you know, there's this older black couple, they have a charter bus and they take you around the city and show you different things and different places. And you're like, oh, I didn't know that. And so when you realize all the things your people did, right. it's inspiring. But the lack of, you know, once it's gentrified and it's all changed, it's hard to connect. But when, you know, the people take you around and you're like, yeah, this whole area used to be black. Or there was a black hospital, two black hospitals right here. Or this, and so then you start to internalize that power and say, you know, maybe, maybe I can work with that, or maybe there's something that we can do with that. And I, 
especially in Dallas, um, there are a lot of people with nonprofits, a lot of really dope people out here trying to build. So I think we're 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 coming up on back on that season of hey, we're gonna do things for ourselves. And Good. it has to be one or two of us that you're gonna have to take out. Good. <laughs> no. Do you feel like people struggle with making the distinction between personal growth and professional growth? Absolutely. It's easy to do. I was a victim of it. You know, I, I knew I wanted to be a pharmacist, so that was my goal. And so once I got into it, I was like, so that's it. You know, I finally, I hit that realization like, oh, you know, I still got time, right? Maybe. So is this it? And so then I started to, that one question was kind of opening the gears of maybe there's something else. Well, what is it? And just letting, again, the universe demonstrate things to you. Um, I had different, you know, encounters with people that are like, oh, you, you know, you're so smart or, you know, you now have me looking at my labs. And so it kind of made me think, okay, there is more. Maybe I should teach people on different levels. It could be conscious awareness. And then with my career, I can teach people how to better manage the system, how to manage, you know, navigate their way through the system. So it wasn't just about me in my career, my profession, doing my job. It was really just how do I use that to edify my community? So I think that's what people are seeking constantly. Where is my purpose? Where is my purpose? But they don't actually try to connect with other people to find that or with themselves to even realize that there is more. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Are you a um are you a purist? My 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 mom, God rest her soul, she passed away in December. My mom loved to read. Um we donated myself and my brother, we donated her library to Rikers Island when she passed and it was like hundreds and hundreds of books but she was wow. a purist to the core like I bought her a nook before and she when she passed and we went to the house she never even opened the thing like my mom was somebody who had to have the actual pages in her hand and turn the pages so are you you consider yourself a purist yes <laughs> just because I connect with it better and you know again to Ralph's point I'm underlining I made if I'm in, intrigued, I'm wow, in the, you know, on the side, and oh, you know, because you get to think and process through it. And also, I'm a little bit older, so, you know, hard copies do it for me. Yeah. It's something about the smell of a book, though, that you do, cracking open of a, a book you do appreciate. I, um, It took me a while, but I have, I do, I do audio books also. Okay. Um, I do read books on my phone. I think I got into audio books with my commute. You know, okay, like audio book podcasts, things like that. Um, and reading on my iPad, I do some of also. I think I don't know if I, I don't consider myself a purist because I don't like the storage aspect. I see. Storing Good point. All the books, but the, yeah. the, the storage aspect and the actual have the physical copies are great for sharing. So when I have physical copies of something, I read and I, you Rob, read this, check this out. I love that. Thing, and it makes it easier to to share. But it's something about like people are a lot of people who are readers. I find to be like real purists that really appreciate opening that book. Yeah, because it, no one does it. You know, I do some work, uh, some community work while I'm at the jail, and you know, I might walk around with a book just to prove a point, mm. or you know, just to be seen with a book. And you know, that's a conversation started. What are you reading? Why do you have a book? You know, so they already know at that point something's different about her. And I think that's what we all can do is just really just promote that enlightenment because I think a lot of the perception of our culture is just perception. There are readers out here, a lot of us. You know, there are enlightened people out here, a lot of us, but you may walk right past the, you know, the other person and not know it and really have had, an, you know, 
maybe have missed an opportunity to have a really elevating conversation. Um, and so when I have the book, you know, it just people just may want to talk randomly. And so I just take that as an opportunity to share. And sometimes it doesn't go deep because a lot of people are like, oh, Lord, when she come over here, it's going to be deep. <laughs> but it's not deep all the time. So I try to discern and gauge where you want the conversation to go. But, you know, if you got some time and I got time, who knows? But <laughs> good, 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 a good conversation should be thought provoking, right? Absolutely. You should. Yeah, you should leave the conversation learning something new or, or Re, you know, rethinking something that you once thought. Like, I don't understand why a person wouldn't want to engage in a thought-provoking You'd conversation. You'd be surprised. You but again, you said stuck. You mentioned stuck. Some people are like, mm -hmm. I'd rather not. I'm cool <laughs> over here where I'm at. I'm cool. <laughs> I, 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 would, I would refer a book to somebody. People like, you don't drive on his partner's <laughs> Malcolm X business. I'm like, bro, just listen, man. It might save your life. It will save your life. Because how you living right now, you're going backwards on me, bro. Fear, you know, it's, that's fear, fearful of learning something, though. That's all it is, bro. The fear of the unknown, man. That's what you just want to take this whole risk. And when you want to know something, and of course it's going to make you a little uncomfortable. But that's where, that's, that's, where I, that's where the growth comes, though. That's where the growth comes from. All growth is not going to be easy. Coming to this planet, through a very narrow area where, you know, the, the pressure that a woman feels is equivalent to 40,000, almost 40 bones being cracked at the same time. I can't even imagine that type of pain. I can't even imagine. But the moment, but the moment you lay that baby in that woman's hands, pain? Love takes over immediately, bro. So, you know, a little bit of pain, I'm, I'm, I'm with the discomfort, trust me. After being on the house for five and a half years, well, four and a half years on the five, dealing with getting cannulated and, you know, your body going through so many different things. You stay the cause, bro. It works. It will work. You stay the cause. Period. Give us, give us three must-read books for anybody seeking uh, personal growth. Oh. the part I was waiting for. Let me get my pen ready. Hold on. I need a pen. Go ahead. Ooh. We got a um, The first one, oh. The first one I'm gonna say is, I brought it, it's Life from Ancient Africa um, by Naeem Akbar. Okay. okay. Any of Naeem Akbar's game. Period, yes sir, it's not. Um, the second one I would recommend is Set Boundaries, Find Peace, A Guide to Reclaiming Yourself by Nadra Glover Tawab. She's a black therapist, beast. Mm -hmm. um, it's called Set Boundaries, Find Peace, A Guide to Reclaiming Yourself. And then let me see what else. Oh, and then I think the last one that I would recommend is this guided journal. Okay. Written in stone. It's a guided journal. It's a 40-day guided journal. Um, because I feel like, you know, you can read and read and read. Um, but sometimes if you don't find the application or you don't find the insight in it, um, then it becomes jargon, right? Yep. Just something you heard or something you read. So you have to practice it by, you know, still stimulating and exercising your mind. So two books to read and then a book to journal. Mm. Did you um we had we had Tor Abrams on and he's um he's a motivational speaker. He did a TEDx talk out of UK. And I was asking him if he ever read um Brene Brown. Have you ever read any of her stuff? No, uh-uh. She um she does a lot of work around vulnerability. She has Ooh, a great book called um Dan Great uh, what is it? Dan, yeah, Dan Greatly. Brene Brown. 
I'm definitely gonna look up Renee Brown. I dig, I love that. I mean, and again, that is definitely needed in our community vulnerability. Mm-hmm. That growth. So tell people where they can get the book at. Yo, so you can get the book on my website. Um, it's gonna have some updates soon, but right now, um, readwithdrway.com. I have some merch on there. Um, you can get my book on there. It will be updating soon, so you know, play around with it while you can. Um, it's also available on Amazon. Um, so it's at a little bit more of a discounted price on Amazon. Uh, the good thing is if you order it from my website, I get to personalize that, and I love to do that. Um, there's just something about receiving energy from another person that you don't know or may not ever meet, and it's just like, wow, that was really solid. And so I like to um, just impart some insight and wisdom to anybody that orders uh, the book from my website. So that's the ideal place because I can actually mm-hmm. deposit into the spirit. Um, but it's definitely available also on Amazon, um, books, a million Barnes and Noble. So um, I'm working on getting it um, in some of the local bookstores. But again, you know, I'm balancing my career and my business. So I'm working on Nice. So well, before we let you go, go just um, to go back for a second, talk a little bit about boundaries and the importance of boundaries. When I when that book, she specifically said, set boundaries, find peace. That is a true story. If you don't have boundaries, there's no way you're going to find peace. Um, you're going to constantly be struggling with yourself as far as your decisions. And you also may struggle with overextending yourself. Um, then that may grow into some resentment. It may grow into low self-esteem, shrinking yourself. And so we have to start getting comfortable with boundaries. Um, in our community, it's kind of uncomfortable. We're used to seeing our elders, you know, be the staples, always doing something for this family and that person and, you know, which is good. I believe in community, um, but I also believe in self-preservation, um, especially under the umbrella of self-love, self-awareness. If you don't preserve, then, um, we, you know, we want you to have that longevity. We want you to have mental soundness. So there's no way that you can um, have that mental soundness without learning to establish boundaries. Um, Her book kind of talks about learning why we don't have boundaries, which is a good place to reflect. Because I don't think we we don't set boundaries because we don't want boundaries. Most of us do want boundaries. We just don't know how to set them. Mm -hmm. But you will find yourself in your peace, (laughs) definitely. Baba Hiawatha says, you know, we don't need ministers to tell us we're spiritual. We don't need economists to tell us we're rich. We don't really need educators to tell us we're smart. Period. But we do need educators to lay out a formula that helps us embrace our genius. And that's exactly what you do, sis. God bless you. Bro. And I had to say that to you, man. God bless you. I appreciate you. that. I appreciate that. I all, your wisdom, all your knowledge. Keep sharing. Listen, man, I'm paying attention. You know I am, so. <laughs> I Dr. Ashley Wade, Instagram, read with Dr. Wade. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you for joining us. Thank you.